Welcome to Gardening Talk back again for a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp for the very first time for 2016. Scott, yes. how are you? Hello. Well, I finished all my book on for the year, so here I am back. Very good. Great to see you back. Yeah, we put Jude back into cryogenic freezing, so she'll remain <laughs> the age of 75 for a long time yet, so all will be You're well. going to get a slap when she sees you next. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got planned for us today, Scotty? Oh, I thought we'd talk about it. One of my very, very favourite plants, the bat plant. Well, the bat plant. Yes, it um, gives you that sort of Marvel Comics sort of idea, doesn't it? Mm. I thought we'd also talk about a uh, yellow plant called the uh, Diplodinia citrine. And, Sorry, uh, what was that again? The Diplodinia citrine. Beautiful. I know. You love my pronunciation, (laughs) don't you? (laughs) And, of course, stink bugs are a real problem at the moment on citrus, so we'll have a quick chat about those as well. And we've got Dave from Singleton. How are you doing, Dave? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, great, mate. Better now we can hear you. That's better. Beautiful, champ. Well, we've got a question about lemongrass. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I just... um... I keep trying to pull it up and it just keeps on coming back. I'm just wondering if there's anything I can use to get rid of it fully. So what are you going to use in your uh, Thai cooking then, Dave, after you've, you've got rid of it, mate? Oh, mate, it comes up everywhere. I'm sick of it. It comes <laughs> up through me cracks in everywhere, all around me pool. It's just painful. Oh, look, the only thing you can really do, and especially if it's in pavers and, and uh, you know, in your, around your pool, you can use zero on that or Roundup, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and you can just spray it with that. That'll get rid of it there. Uh, if you've got a particularly bad patch of it, uh, you could actually mix up a little bit of a tree and blackberry killer if you wanted to and just spray that in the area and would be absorbed down into the plant and should kill all the roots as well for you. All right, tree and blackberry killer. Yeah, I've tried Roundup and that. It just seems to take weeks for it to actually take any effect on it. Yeah, it, it, it can be one of those things where, you know, you need the sunlight to actually get uh, Roundup to work properly. It sort of makes the plant overgrow itself in a way. And all, I guess all the cells start to burst or something weird and wonderful like that. But that's, that's how Roundup sort of works. So it can take, you know, it varies on the amount of sunlight you've got. You, the only thing you have to be careful about with the tree and blackberry killer, if you really soak the soil around where the plant is, it'll sterilise the soil for a while and you won't be able to plant back directly into that area. No dramas, thank you very much. Okay, and you'll have to find something else for your uh, for your Thai cooking. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. Good <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Dave. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Bye, bye. You can make a fortune selling that. Oh, that's what I thought. Why don't he just crop it and you know bring it down to the markets or something like that? He'd be laughing. Yeah. All right, we've got uh, Linda from Corlettes about fertilizers. How can we help you, Linda? I've just built uh, some new garden beds on a new estate, and I've mulched it really, really well, and I'm wondering. And the fertilizer ready for winter, which puts on for all the plants. So, what sort of plants do you think you're going to be growing at that time, Linda? I've got gardenias, I've got uh, camellia sasanquas, and um, a few stuffy plants. Okay, so when you're doing camellias and azaleas, you definitely need to be using cow manure for those because it's slightly acidic and camellias and azaleas love slightly acidic soil uh, so that's what you're just going to have to use don't be shy about it put a fair bit of it into your beds dig it around leave it for about a week or so and then you can plant into it how can it well we're already planted in oh they're already planted that's all right you can still spread the cow manure around the surface of the bed in that case can i wait go through the mulch it will go through the mulch or you can just, you know, move the mulch aside and then bring it back over the top of the cow manure if you want to or you can actually just put some fresh mulch back over the top of the cow manure. Okay then, thank you. Also, could I ask you, I've got a Chinese lantern tree. Oh yes. And it seems to be dropping the lanterns all the time. It's in a very big pot. Yeah. And I've just pot- repotted it from a small one. But it just keeps dropping and the leaves and also the 
Lantern. So the, the lanterns are only fairly short-lived, but what it sounds like is if you've just repotted it, the plant's a little bit unhappy, it's a little bit stressed. It may well have been slightly uh, pot-bound before that. Yeah. And uh, that's, um, you know, probably uh, uh, why the, it's, you know, been a little bit stressed and thirsty at the time. So putting it into the new pot, that should be fine. It's going to get back into the new nutrient in the potting mix and it should be fine after that. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Linda. Bye. Right, cheers, Linda. We've got Susan now from the Hill, and more questions about insecticides. How can we help you, Susan? Um, I have some con, like con, confidor. Yeah, confidor. Yeah. Yep. And I wondered. Um, I bought some recently, and then I didn't realise I had any. And I thought the the first one says date of manufacture two thousand and eleven. Yes. And I wondered how long it keeps, like. <laughs> Yeah, gen- generally you'd last about four or five years from the date of manufacture. So, uh, how's my maths? You're probably getting to the uh, the end of the uh, of that confidor now. It might be time to replace it. What generally happens is it just uh, loses its, lose its, its efficacy and it won't actually do the job that you want it to do. So, it might be time to actually replace that now. Oh, okay. Now, how do you dispose of it? Yes, uh, usually uh, Summerhill, uh, the Newcastle City Council, they should be able to advise you on how to dispose of that safely. Oh, okay. Yep. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Susan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Louise from Edgeworth. Got some problems with your orange trees. Yes, I have. I put a new tree in this year, um, and it's a navel, and I've noticed that the leaves are curling, and um, on the leaves there's like a, a white wriggly line which makes me think there might be a bug underneath there Aha! (laughs) I say hey, yes, you gads you've got citrus leaf miner, Louise Yes, everyone's got it at the moment. Don't don't stress about it. It's not your fault at all. Um, it, what happens is a little moth comes along, flutter, 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 uh, says, uh, that's a nice juicy um, leaf to uh, lay my eggs on. They're going to hatch out. They're going to have something to eat. That's what happens. And the little pupa jumps in between the membrane of the uh, new leaf on the citrus tree and feeds away and wrecks up the, the structure of the leaf as it goes through. Then it curls up and pretty much dies on you. So... The way to get rid of all of that is to actually prune off any damaged uh, leaves because they're not going to come good for you. Then you have to okay. go and use a product called Eco Oil. Now, that what you do is you only use it on the new growth because once that growth hardens up, uh, the uh, the little pup the little pupa can't actually get in and do the damage. So it's only when the growth is new. So if you know there's going to be a flush of new growth like there is at this time of year, yeah. uh, that's when you go out and spray with the eco oil about uh, once a week at the moment, just to keep uh-huh. it under control. But definitely prune off all the affected growth and then uh, just keep on uh, using that eco oil, eco oil until it comes good for you. And the other problem I had with it, we've noticed a couple of really large green. Like a caterpillar? Oh, yes. What can I spray to stop those? Yeah, you I have to... I them off and killed them, but... Yeah, you'll have to use something, uh, some sort of insecticide like Malathon uh, on those. I'm pretty sure you can still use that on citrus. Uh, otherwise, uh, you just have to go and get the scissors and cut them in half or, you know, get rid of them that way. But if you want to use Malathon... <laughs> That's virtually what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what a way to get rid of them. Yeah, <laughs> murder at the end of the scissors. <laughs> Keep your own special. Okay, keep a special pair of uh, caterpillar killing scissors for, for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Scott. Okay, thanks, Louise. Bye. No worries. We've got Philip from Caves Beach about hydrangeas. 
Hey, Scott, how you doing? Yeah, pretty well, mate. How can we help you? Mate, we were given a hydrangea. Um, first, uh, I want to put it into a bigger pot. So what's the best type of pot to use? Yes. Would I use terracotta or a plastic pot or... Look, it really doesn't matter that much. Uh, terracotta should be fairly neutral. Uh, plastic's definitely going to be neutral. It won't, uh, you know, send any acidity or alkalinity into the potting mix. It's just important that you uh, you use a really good potting mix with hydrangeas because they are very uh, sort of vascular plants and they, they require a lot of water. So you need a good potting mix, uh, you know, first up. And then just make sure you're watering it, uh, you know, really, really well, especially during these hot and, uh, you know, sort of and when it gets windy as well, they don't like that. Yeah, look, I'd put it in uh, where you're getting some morning sun, but then try and get it out of the uh, sun by by about the time you get to lunchtime, I should think, by about 12 o'clock. Uh, that's when it yep. starts to get a bit warm and you're going to start to damage the plant. So, yeah, on the eastern side of the house somewhere and just try and keep it out of that really hot afternoon sun because if you're not there to, to water it at that time, it's going to uh, dry out and look a bit tatty for you. All right. And is there any special fertiliser I could use on them? Uh, no, just use a general, uh, you know, all-purpose fertiliser. Try and use, uh, there's one called Bounce Back, which is pH neutral, and uh, it uh, won't change the colour of the hydrangea for you. All right, lovely. Okay. Thanks very right, much. Thanks, thanks Philip. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, Scott. It is Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Any questions for Scott Sharp, give us a call on 49 at 216 216. We've got Michelle from Glendale. Read something regarding to staghorn. Michelle, what have you done with your staghorn? Oh, I don't know what I've done with it, actually. Um, <laughs> it's it's a quite a large size. It's, it's really about three foot square. Yep. Now, all of a sudden, it's um, started to get like a powdery stuff where the antlers come out. Mm-hmm. And it's all, go- like, all that area is going brown. There's no new growth at all. It's been happening since Christmas, and I'm pretty worried about it because it's going backwards. Right. That also can be the way they actually reproduce. That, that sort of powder is like their spores coming off on the bottom as well. Yeah, that's on the antlers. Yeah, yeah. But it's coming... actually coming out of the hole where ah. the antlers come from, from the actual main plant. Right. So now the other yeah. thing that uh, stags and elkhorns can get, they can get borers going into them. Oh. Uh, and so they are, the way to get rid of that is you get some confidor and usually you mix it up at half strength because uh, they're pretty touchy sort of plants. So you get some uh, yeah. confidor, mix it up half strength in the watering can and then actually drench it right through the plant until it's running out. And that should keep it under control for you. Okay, yeah, because I've sprayed one before in the past and yes. I used about quarter strength and I lost it. Uh, okay, yeah. So, so you, yeah, I'm worried about losing this one. Yeah, so you do have to use it at that, like you said, quarter or I, I've always said half strength and I've done it at that before and it's worked. Uh, right. But yeah, don't spray it. I'd actually get the watering can and drench it down through the middle of it. All right then. Excellent. Okay, okay. thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Bye. Bye. No worries, Michelle. We've got another Michelle as oh. well from Cessnock. Oh, I love it when we get people like pears and then we get triplets and then... What comes after that, mate? Uh, quadtuplets. Quadtuplets, excellent. <laughs> right, to think about that. We won't go any further. <laughs> no, we will yeah. not. Well, Michelle, you got some problems with wasps. Yes, I was out pruning, and um, and then all of a sudden they came out of the tree and attacked me. So oh. they must be nesting in the tree there, and I'm not sure how to get rid of them. Yeah, unfortunately, you do have to try and find that nest and then give them a good old blast of some spray of some sort. Uh, I know there are actually, there's a really good wasp uh, killer out there. It's some sort of, I think it's Blitzum it might be called, and it shoots this big long jet out so you can stand, you know, a number of metres back and as long as your aim's good, uh, you can actually hit the wasp nest from, from quite some far away. Right, 
it's really hard because, like, like uh, the tree is like I've stripped the tree down the bottom, so there's nothing down the bottom. Yeah. So I've just got it where I clip it at the top, and it's really hard to see where it is because it's quite a, a, a thick, um, bushy tree. Yeah. It's hard to see where they are. Yeah. There's there's not too much you can do except you know get a long stick and have a poke around and see if you can you know ascertain what area they come from and be ready to run at the same time. <laughs> I thought I might dress up like a bee person and put a, a coat on and a hat and well, a net and then just wear those nuclear vests. <laughs> that that's probably sensible. I'd, I'd be doing that. But I mean, to to coin a phrase, they are absolute mongrels. Those little wasps. They do I attack, know, don't they? they? Yeah, yeah. When and they sting, they really hurt. I know. I've been stung. I think I was on the knuckle once, and that really took me out for quite yeah, some time. All the legs. That's okay. Very painful. Yeah, yeah. Not not a very nice thing to get stung by. No, and they itch. They itch for for days after. It just drives you insane. Yeah, yeah. All right, so there was a spray, though, that I can get, did you say? Yes, you can. Uh, Cessnock, I'd go down to your local garden centre. They may well have it or your local hardware store. Uh, it does work really well. It's got a big, long jet on it so that you can stay as far back as possible. And when it hits them, it drops them real quick. It's like, you've had it. it's like you're a sniper, a wasp sniper or something like that. Right, so it kills them. In, yeah, yeah, pretty much. They won't. I can assure you, they will not get any distance between you know between you and them. They will drop straight to the ground. No, because I had somebody tell me to kind of get some um, light uh, newspaper, a fire, and put forest in, but my tree might go up in flames. <laughs> it might. Well, and the reason for that is that they, they call them paper wasps, and they do have a sort of a papery nest, and it will uh, go up in flames very quickly. But again, you have to find it, and then you've got the danger of, you know, setting, you know, half of the Cessnock region on fire, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure your local fire brigade's not going to be very happy with that. <laughs> And it's right near the fence. Okay. And it's a wooden fence. So, yes, all right. Okay, well, good luck with it. Hope you don't get stung and we'll uh, we'll hear how you go. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Michelle. Best of luck. Hopefully she doesn't get stung. Yes. Yeah, those long vest things, you know, they have nuclear things. and Like Homer wears at the start of The Simpsons. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Something like that. That's what I'll be wearing. Or a wetsuit. Or a wetsuit. What about your face? You could put a mask on or something. Goggles on? Goggles on, yeah, and drape something over your face and then put the goggles over it. We're coming up with all the good ideas here today. And we've got Craig from Glendale. G'day, mate. How can we help you? Oh, uh, listen, I've got a a passion fruit vial, or two of them, actually. I put in two years ago. Now, um, certain people say put them on certain uh, directional, wherever they go. Well, they grow, they grow. Now, these things were um, uh, grafted ones. And they started to grow, and one side of the vine didn't go real well, but the other one didn't. It's powered on both of them. I've got heaps of flowers I've had, but no fruit at all. Okay, mate. Now, what can often happen with uh, your grafted passion fruit uh, is that the, it can actually spring from below the graft, and you get these funny sort of, uh, how would you describe them, sort of pinnate um, leaves, and they're slightly grey. They're, uh, you know, right. they're not oval and nice and glossy and green. Like your normal passion fruit ones? Yeah. yeah, so what that means is actually it's come from below the graft and taken over. So you're not going to get any fruit off those buggers, unfortunately. So, so you've, got a, be- you've got a beautiful covering of your fence, but no, yes. you're not going to have any passion fruit on there. Oh, yeah, the flowers are beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, can't eat them. Um, so, um, so I just have to get another one, will I? Yeah, I and, and it's actually coming along, it's actually growing underneath the ground. Because I've got some nice buffalo there, and it's coming out a couple of metres away. You yep, know? so that, that's what's happened. Yeah, so what they do to try and get the, the graft of passion fruit to be really vigorous, they put it onto a wild rootstock, 
And that mm. wild rootstock can sometimes, you know, just sprout up from below the ground and keep on growing. And it, because it's more vigorous, it'll actually take over the other vine. So it's just something you have to be watching out every, you know, couple of weeks or so to make sure that that different coloured leaf and that different shape leaf isn't coming through and taking over. That explains everything. Thank you very much, Scott. Not a mor- okay. no problem. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> yeah. hey, listen, do you sell some decent passion fruit vines out there? Uh, I do believe we've got grafted ones and we've also got seed-grown ones as well if you want to avoid that, uh, that, that problem with the grafted ones. Well, you get bitten once. All right, thank okay. you very much, Scott. <laughs> okay, cheers. Thanks, Craig. No worries, Craig. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM 103.7. If you do have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give him a call on 49 at 216 216. Now, Scott, you mentioned something earlier about some bat plants. Yes, the bat plants. Oh, and you were going so to you were going to correct me as well, weren't you? So yeah, you, you should did do that. Yes. Marvel comic, yeah, Marvel comics. I think was your reference. And yep. It should have been DC. DC, right? Sorry, okay. the nerdy out there a little no, bit. No, that's but... all right. You've, you've got a nerdy appearance. So I thought oh. something like that was going to come. A lovable nerdy appearance. <laughs> it is a lovable nerdy appearance. I'm just trying to work out which side up. Oh, the, yeah. I've just I've just handed. Um, a, um, I was going to say Dave. Then Dave, that's all right. Yeah, that's similar. All right. <laughs> A picture of the bat plant, and it's quite a lovely um, looking flower. It is one of my favourite plants, and it's always out at this time of year. Now, it's a, a tropical plant, so it grows, yep. uh, it will grow down here, and it does really well at this time of year. This is when it flowers. Uh, it looks a bit like a peace lily. It's got a big, um, glossy sort of oval leaf on it, but the flower that comes out just looks absolutely spectacular. Now, it's over to you to describe that for me. It looks like a bat. It looks like a bat, okay. It looks it's like a hanging bat. It looks like a hanging bat. It's got eyes, it's got big long whiskers that actually can get to about a foot or two it looks foot quite long. impressive actually yeah, it really is yeah and the, and the, the thing is though they're actually very very easy to look after my in-laws have got one and they're not the best gardeners in the world i'm liking this already easy to look after easy to look after but they've got it just in the right spot in a semi-shady position you know where it's only getting dappled light uh they've got it in the right sort of mix and there's just powers on year after year i gave it to them i think probably five or six years ago yep and they have not managed to kill it that's pretty impressive. Absolutely champions. Very good. It is yeah. Gardening Talk back on 2 and URFM. Any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call. 49216216. We've got Debbie from Raymond Terrace. Hello, Scott. How can we help you, Debbie? Hi. Um, my property is on the river at um, Raymond Terrace. Yes. And I've been trying to grow some harbingers. Yes. They've gone, they've gone through the last flood and been inundated for two days. They survived. Uh, one one didn't, but the, and I've just trimmed them all back of, and um, put more mulch around. I just want to know to um, maybe give them some sea salt or something to get them going. Yeah, so you've got to remember they are native, so I wouldn't be using sea salt on them, although you can use a little bit of it, in, in that said. I'd be more inclined to use some blood and bone around them. Okay. Uh, but certainly no, uh, you know, like cow manure or poultry manure or anything like that. That'll actually okay. just burn them from the inside out. So uh, you always, with natives, always use a very gentle fertiliser, whether it's a grevillea or, you know, a eucalypt, whatever. Uh, they're just used to our Australian soils, and there just wasn't large amounts of, you know, manure sort of, um, sort of running around, yes. you know. Okay. Yeah, kangaroos don't, you know, poo very big, I guess, is the answer to that. <laughs> yes. So you just have to be careful. So only using blood and bone and really soft fertilisers to uh, to give your plant a little bit of a boost. Okay, and plenty of water because they, uh, the reason I haven't watered them was because they were very wet and I've let them dry out. 
Yeah, I'd probably let them dry out. I mean, where you yeah. see it usually is, you know, in, in under the canopy of, of uh, you know, in the eucalypt forest, and it's never, you know, going to be really moist there. So I'd probably let them dry out a bit, um, you know, watering maybe two or three times a week. Yeah. Yeah, that, that should be enough for them. Okay. Okay. And, um, and my clivias. Yes. Um, they were inundated as well, oh, and they yeah. they come back like they've been through two floods, mm-hmm. but um, they come back all right. But they're just looking a bit sad and not doing very much. Yeah, look, the clivias will come back. They're a pretty amazing plant. You can pull mm-hmm. them out of the ground, and they can sit there for weeks and weeks on end, and they won't die on you. The yeah, only thing they that. yeah the only thing they don't like is the sun really, okay. uh, and they've got a little sort of uh, grub as well that eats them away. So that's not real helpful for them oh, either. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't be too concerned. If you've got some uh, fertiliser or, you know, even some blood and bone, some cow manure, okay. uh, just give that a sprinkle around. Right. Okay. Excellent. Good. Okay. Thank, thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. We've got Margaret from Saltash talking passion fruit trees again. Oh, we love talking passion here, Margaret. How can we help you? <laughs> Hi, Scott. How are you? Very well. Um, I've got well, I heard you just talking about passion fruit vines and you talked about growing them from a seed. Yes. And I've grown some from a seed and people tell me that if you grow it from a seed they won't you won't get passion fruits. Oh, the only thing you probably have to do, you might have to have two of them. You definitely need your bees around for pollinating. Uh, yeah, I I can't you know you know sort of believe that because how would have we grown passion fruits before we had yeah. grafted passion fruits? Why exactly. bo- why bother having a seed, Mister Passion Fruit? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're yeah. ju- you're just redundant. You're just there for people to eat and put in their pina coladas and things like that, or their pavlovas. <laughs> that's all. But no, I I think if you you can grow from seed, we sell seed grown ones. Uh, it might be good to have a couple of them so you get some cross pollination, and that you've got some nice little bees buzzing around in your garden as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see any bees around my place, but anyway, I did have another passion fruit vine, and it got passion fruits on it. But my horse ate it. Yeah, the, so, the, oh, the, the reason that the reason that we go for the grafted ones is because they put them onto that wild root stock, and you just get mm. a profusion of, of flowers and fruit off them. Uh, they're, they're meant to, you know, crop a whole lot more. Mm. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you about a plant I have. I can't find what the name of it is, and I didn't know if you might have known. So I can it, it can go in a hanging pot or on a stand. That's like a ribbon plant, and it grows like a one long ribbon off it, and it grows a another plant on that. So you can cut that off and stick it in the ground. Yes, and it, it gets it, a flower on it. Yeah, it only lasts a day. And I think it's walking iris is the one you're looking for. Yeah, it looks like an iris flower. Yep. Okay, so it's it sounds like walking like white leaves with a purple middle in the flower yep that's it it's walking iris so yeah it will grow off and then new ones come off that and that's how it got yeah. its name you know it'll eventually take over the world if you let it i know yeah, just slowly <laughs> oh, but you know <laughs> okay i keep trying to give pieces away because i get so many of them yeah yeah and uh, i didn't know what it was called and but the flowers do only last a day don't they, they yeah they're only only very quick go. flowering but they are really tough and you know quite a nice plant to have in a hanging pot they are yeah they do they look really good and they grow so quick they certainly do. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Margaret. Okay. Thank you okay. for that. Okay. Cheers, We've got Rob now from at Charlestown. We're talking fruit fly. Oh, we love talking fruit fly as well. How are you, Rob? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you going? Yeah. How can we help you? Uh, I've got a passion fruit fly too. It reminded me of the fruit fly, which I just can't seem to get rid of. I've got thousands of passion fruit on my vine. Yeah. But uh, I've tried everything. So the with, with fruit fly, it's one of those things you've got to spray. Uh, you've got a trap as well, so you use those traps that you can get. 
uh, it's just persistence with them. Just got to keep on spraying, you know, almost weekly when when they're uh, you know out and about, and use those traps as much as possible to try and keep them out of your yard. The trouble is, mate, you can be doing all the right things at your place. And you, then you've got some ninny up the road or next door and, you know, they're doing all the wrong things. They're letting their lemons or their tomatoes drop to the ground and heaps of fruit fly. They're in the area and then you can't get rid of them. It's very difficult to get them out of your place. Yeah, that's what I think is happening. The next door they've got a, a palm tree, you know, you get those berries on the oh, palm. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, so they're, they're probably hanging around those too. Yeah. Yep. No worries, okay. Okay, so be persistent, mate. Use the trapping, use the sprays and see how you go. Right, thanks, okay, mate. Cheers, Rob. Bye bye. And we've got. Who do we have on the line? Michelle. Michelle. Yeah, we need little poppers and fireworks going out. That's because... our trifecta of Michelle's for this <laughs> afternoon. We've just won the trifecta. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good name. How can we help you, Michelle? Um, I live in Cessnock and I've got a paper, um, a paper fig, a sandpaper fig. Yep. Um, and it's got. Um, black grubs all over it yes. and it's, they're, they're stripping it right back. They will, yeah. They're, they're... I don't want to use comfort or anything like that because I've got native bees in the garden. That's all right. We have a solution for you. They are nasty little things. Uh, they just live in underneath the leaf and before you know it, it's sort of back to the exoskeleton of the, of the leaf, isn't it? They're they're yeah, really quick the way they do it, and they will kill the plant. Uh, you need to use a product called Dipel. It's actually a bio-insecticide that's only for use, it will only work on caterpillars and grubs. So you can spray merrily to your heart's content around your native bees, and it uh, won't have an effect. So you just mix it up. Uh, it comes in a powder form, but you mix it up into a solution, and then you can just spray all the undersides of the leaves, and it will only harm the caterpillars and grubs. Oh, great. So called, do I, where do I go to get that? Oh, any good uh, garden centre should have it. It's called Dipel. Dipel. Yeah. Okay, not a problem. Thank you so very much. Not a problem. Any chemical, any chemical with the word die in it sounds like it's going to do a good job, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. A very good job. We've got Rod now from Arcadia Vale. We're talking hydrangeas again. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> G'day, Scott. I, uh, I worked in the garden at Wanji Power Station a long time ago. Yes. And I went to Charlestown Tech. But when that chap was talking about hydrangeas, yes. I was really interested about how you can change the colours in hydrangeas. Yeah, so you can change the colours in them. It's just by changing the uh, acidity or the alkalinity of the soil. Now, white ones will always stay white, but you can change from pink to blue and blue to pink. It doesn't happen you know, instantaneously. It's not like you do it one afternoon and go out the next morning and all of a sudden it's changed. It's uh, something you have to build up in the soil and it um, will work over time. Uh, so you can do it simply by adding you know, a little bit of sulphur to the soil or alternatively you can use a little bit of lime and that will you know, change the uh, pH of the soil. Or if you really want to be clever, there's actually hydrangea blue and hydrangea pink you can get in a packet and you can just mix that up in the watering can. It's probably the safest way to do it because if you start overusing uh, sulphur or lime around your plants, you know, you can do some damage. So you're best probably to go and, and get one of those uh, bluers or pinkers and uh, mix that up according to the instructions and water that on. And over time, you'll change your hydrangea from blue to pink, but not never from white. It'll always stay white for you. So with white, it's sort of neutral. Is it about seven? Yeah, but white, white is a white flower. It just will never change. It will, yeah. never, it will never change. You can only change blues from blues to pinks and pinks to blues. That's the only way you can go with them. Ah, oh, good. Yep. Thanks for that. Not a problem, Rod. See ya. Cheers. Bye. Bye. No worries. Thank you very much, Rod. We've got Margaret now from Barnsley. This is a bit of an interesting one, getting rid of mosquitoes. Oh, how, how bad are they? Um, no, we've got a pump. 
pond that's not working good and the water's staying in there. We've yeah. been to a lot of sort of um, people who have goldfish in the water and to see what they've got and they don't know anything what we can do. So the goldfish aren't eating the little wrigglers? No, no, there's no goldfish. Oh, okay, okay. We've been to those places. Yeah. And, um, but we wanted to know how to keep mosquitoes away from the water ponds that we have. Yeah, so what else is in those water ponds? Nothing. Nothing else. Okay. What we've done at work with a couple of our ponds is we've actually got, and we only used a tiny amount, like a little bit, a tiny a little solution of um, malathion, some sort of insecticide, and we just put a couple of drops into the into the pond with the water, and it seems to kill them. We give it a bit of a stir as well, and that seems to get rid of them for us. Is that M A L A F H or P A? Uh, T H O N. Right, also we went out to the front garden yesterday and it looks like there's something eating half the grass. We put soapy water down to see we got anything up. We got lots of like little spiders. I don't know if they eat the grass. No, they shouldn't. And if they're only small, they haven't got a big appetite either. No, no, it looks, you know, it's not just crickets here and there. It's quite a large amount. Okay, so with that, you can use a generic uh, chemical. Uh, usually we'll get rid of black beetles, uh, crickets, and army grub as well. So if you get one of those, mix it up and uh, apply it as per the instructions. Usually do it later on in the evening. That's when those insects start to come up. But I couldn't imagine that it's going to be spiders, though. No, we didn't think so. What was the name of that place? Uh, there's, there's a variety of, of different ones you can oh, get. Right usually though. they're just called army grub killer or something like that. Right if you though, ha- right though. If you had cows or something coming out of your lawn, then I'd be worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you they, very much. They eat grass, apparently. It's the first time I've ever rang up on the radio. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, it's all right once you do it. I'll get... we, we, we don't buy it. We're not sharks here. No, no thank no. you very much. No cows. <laughs> Thanks, Margaret. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you very much, Margaret. Scott, speaking of insects, you were talking about stink bugs oh, earlier. Oh, yes, yes. Don't you love them? Are they bad as little spiders or cows? I think. Well, I think they're worse. The stuff that comes out of their bums is far worse than what comes out of cows' bums. Oh, right. Yeah. It's actually quite corrosive. They actually spray this stuff out of them, and that's what gives it that really toxic sort of smell. But the other thing they do, especially this time of year, all your citrus should be you know, throwing on some really nice new soft growth. And the uh, bronze orange bugs, the stinks, stink bugs, they love getting on that and uh, sucking it away, and it just shrivels up all the new growth and does a lot of damage to your plants. Uh, so you, the only way to get rid of them is really to spray them. Uh, you can yep. use malathon on them. Uh, Seems to be the popular choice this afternoon. Well, we won't go with potash today. We'll go with (laughs) Melathon. And uh, the other way you can do it, and I've always loved this one, is you can get an old hoover of some sort and go and rack them up and uh, empty it out afterwards. Don't use your brand new Dyson. No. No, because you wouldn't want that being all smelly. Well, how do you you use it? Well, you just take use a massive extension cord, I'm assuming, or? Well, I guess so. Or one of those, the tubes that they've got. Oh, you're talking about actually getting it out to the yeah. garden. Yeah, I guess you'd have to use a big, long extension cord, wouldn't you? It's not very practical. No, we'll get your husband or your wife, you know, with on a bike and a generator can sitting those, in behind those you. Small handheld ones. Oh, I guess you could do that too. Yeah, that's new and fancy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, a bit more mobile. You get into more. Yeah, I was thinking about getting an spots. old one because you don't want to suck up those ugly-looking beetles in your new one. No, you don't. No, no. And, no. and we, we're both fantastic backers of our houses, so <laughs> ours are probably still sitting in their box. <laughs> I'm not going to go any further into that, Scott, before we do go. You've got one more plant for us. Oh, yes. Have you ever been called yellow before? Uh, not this week. Not this week. No. <laughs> well, this is a beautiful plant. It's, I, I, it's a beautiful plant. It's, got, it's a diplodenia, and it's a new one. It's called citrine, yep. and it's a bright yellow flower on there. That's how I was trying to do that really clever segue there. 
by questioning Greg about his, his courage. His courage, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's called citrine. It's a really nice diplodini. Usually dips uh, whites, pinks, uh, and reds. But this is a new one that's been released. It looks a bit like an alamander flower, and people love alamanders. But dips are going to do a whole lot better down here in Newcastle because the alamanders like uh, you know slightly more tropical weather, like we probably all do. Dips will handle here being a little bit cold in winter. So fantastic climber. You can have it in a pot. Uh, just grow it you know through the garden. But yes, a diplodinia with a yellow flower. Sounds delightful. All right, Scott, I think we've got time for one more call for the day, and we've got Pat from Sunshine. How can we help you, Pat? Hi, Scott. Um, I'm just wondering, I've got a hoy plant growing up the wall, and it's starting to go out under the eaves now. I'm just wondering, am I able to cut that off, and can I sort of strike it again? Yes, you can. Don't let it see the outside world. Hoyas don't really like the, the sunlight anyway, so I'd, no. yeah, I'd be trying to stop it um, before it escapes. And okay. you and you should be able to then take some cuttings. What you usually do with hoyas, you'll notice as they're, they're a climber and they've got this, uh, you know, as the vine goes up, they've got the cross section where the leaf comes out from, I'd call it the internode, I guess. Right. Uh, and you cut a, a small piece, keeping that internode in the middle, and then you plop that into the soil, and hopefully you'll get that to strike. And especially at this time of year when it's lovely and warm and humid, most things Love. will strike for you. All right. Well, thank you very much. Not a problem. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. No worries. Cheers, thank you. Well, Scott, I think that's all we've got time for this afternoon. Oh, no. So quick. First first time back for the year? How'd it go? Oh, I know you, you should be judging me. Do I get a red card? Do I get 8 out of 10? Oh, you brought up comic books, so I'm pretty happy with that. You managed yeah. to push that into a gardening what does, show. What does DC stand for, though, Greg? Uh, I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah, there's Something that, comics. Yeah, that nerdy balloon's just been burst. Yeah, yeah. Well, my credit has gone completely out the window. <laughs> Scott Sharp, thank you very much. I'll see you back next week. Perfect. No worries. Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM.